Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Phil Tiger. Hello, how's it going? What is happening? I hope you're good. You're looking fierce trim. That diet that I told you about is working. You're looking really good. My name is Phil Taggart and this is my Slacker podcast. You're very, very welcome to it. This is a podcast where we get the most awesome bands, artists, we get them in and we get their early demos on show. The very, very beginning bits. It's almost like getting to see a porn star without the makeup on. After the demo bit, we get down to the nitty gritty. Not porn. Just chat. On this episode, we have a band that can only be described as fucking gnarly. I was racking my head earlier on when I was thinking about this introduction. The only two words that kept coming to my brain was fucking gnarly. They are from foggy old London town. They are called Wolf Alice. And this was recorded in my temporary fetish dungeon in Soho in May of 2018. I absolutely adore this band, every aspect of it. They can write just the most killer tunes. Whether it's shoegaze tunes, whether it's big riffy monsters, whether it's grungy anthems. They're one of the most incredibly versatile bands that are going today. And both their debut album and their second album, you get that big sense of it. You need to go and listen to them if you haven't done so already. Also, massive congratulations where massive congratulations are due because Wolf Alice, only the other week, won the Mercury Music Prize, 25 grand in the back pocket for their second album, Visions of a Life. If you don't know what the Mercury Music Prize is, it's basically an award for the best UK album of the last year and never has one band so deserved to win it. And look, it's a massive win for guitar bands as well. It's been absolutely years and years and years since a guitar band has won it I, was was it elbow the last one that won it was it Arctic monkeys the last guitar band i'm not even sure and when things like this there's always a knock-on it happens as well and maybe the streaming platforms will help get behind bands a little bit more than they have been doing um so i said to my missus uh if wolf alice win the mercury tonight i'm not coming home i've just moved to brighton so it was either get the 1am train home or get the first one home in the morning and true to my word, we went to the after party at the Holly Arms in Camden, which is Amy Winehouse's old boozer. Ellie from Wolf Alice poured me a pint of stout, a pint of Guinness, and it was one of the best pints of Guinness I've ever had. I'm just completely made up for them. Uh, I feel like I'm still hungover about five days later. And yeah, it's just great to have a band win the Mercury Music Prize. So in the podcast today, we have got Ellie, the best front person in modern music, and Theo, the most iconic bass player since Alex James turned to cheese. And here's a little tease of what we got coming up on the podcast. The main event was him playing, doing this thing. You can't play in Diablo. <laughs> and we were just like the warm-up for this Diablo. The Diablo I heard they had uh, 300 grand in a fridge. <laughs> That's where I'd keep 300 grand if I had it, though. Where else would you? you know yeah, I mean? exactly. Yeah, I feel like the only things I ever regret are the things I did when I was not being myself and trying to be someone else or something. And I can look back on that and be like, oh, God, that's cringe. But before we dive in, I would be forever in your debt if you could do me this one little favor. As the podcast is brand new and I am completely shitting myself doing my first audio project outside of the warm bosom of the BBC, 
it would be incredible if you could subscribe to it if you could rate it if you could review it i'm sure you've listened to lots of podcasts before and they've asked you to do the same but it really does make a massive difference and the podcast is free as well so if you like it give it five stars if you don't maybe keep quiet about it and say nothing to nobody okay here we go three two one ladies and gentlemen boys and girls theo and ellie from wolf Alice. hello hello good afternoon what's, what's going on we just did live lounge. What there now? Just now, yeah, earlier. What, what did you cover? Camila Cabello. We're not the same. <laughs> That's our song. Awesome. What's it called? <laughs> uh, never be the same. Never be the same. She ripped us off. In in terms of like live lounge performances, is it in the upper echelon or is it in the relegation zone? Uh, all four of our live lounge performances <laughs> are in the upper echelons and. Uh, that's all there is to be said about. What were the other co- What were the other covers that you did? What was it? Was your favorite one? This is on BBC Radio One for anybody who's listening outside the UK. I, you have to come on and cover a song. My favorite one was maybe I really enjoyed playing. Did we did a cover of Alt J's Matilda with a string section, and just getting the opportunity to work with a string section was cool. Mm. Maybe a bit of forethinking to you know a funeral that I might play or maybe have landing class to one day. <laughs> I think if you start getting booked for funerals, that means that like you guys are on the slide. Nah. Does it? Depends Does on whose funeral it is, mate. But like random funerals, like not like if you it's nice to turn up to your friend's funeral that, and play. That would be weird and inappropriate <laughs> if we were just showing up at people's funerals. Yeah, I was gonna go I was gonna ask you to come play my wedding, but I don't think that's gonna happen now. Why not? I don't know. Do you want to play my wedding? Yes. Sweet. <laughs> That's a verbal contract. The calendar definitely permits it. I'm sure of it. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll make sure that um, whatever whatever festival it. that you're playing that day, you need to out go forward anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it off. You're just back from the states. I want, actually, I want to get to that in a minute because I want to play the track first that you gave me, and it's a demo of "You're a Germ" <laughs> and. Let's you know. Let's hear it and let's talk about it off okay. the back. Okay. Oh, 
That was Wolf Alice on a demo of You're a Germ, which is off the debut album. Obviously, that is not the version that ended up on the, the debut album. You unfortunately. Kinda, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> like, it, it's, it definitely sounds like a demo, but it's got like the whole the whole bits of the song that ended mm. up on the record. When when did you make that? Uh, I think it must have been, yeah, either 2012, around that point. I don't know. So it's like so. early, early Wolf Files. She started in 2010. Oh, there's a weird, there's no one really knows when it, <laughs> nobody like, knows there's, there's things happened didn't they it's there's, like the big bang me and nobody Joel's, really knows when yeah. it happened me and Joel started playing in, in like 2013 late 2012 2013 and I remember that demo was, was something that Ellie had sent and everyone got excited about with our demos I always think always you get the gist of it quite a lot of the time but maybe it's not the idea, you can really hear the the shell of the song. Yeah, it? I feel like, like from that demo, you're like you take a little bit of that, and then you get into the room, and you all like batter away until something amazing comes out. Yeah, yeah, or something terrible. <laughs> does some, does somebody have like a a specific foible when like a, like a riff goes the right way, or the, a melody goes the right way, or something goes right? Is it like you know somebody puts their arms up and goes, "Yes, we've done it. This is the best song we've ever learned." Yeah, I think we that we used to have that quite a lot when we were first writing tunes together. Um, but that was also just because it was amazing to us I think that the four of us had managed to make something yeah. cohesive at one point it's yeah. just like actually doing it starting to feel like a band yeah. real achievements and I think now it's changed a little bit because uh, maybe our pros bar, now bars higher well we're better yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> than we were <laughs> but I still there's still an energy in the room when something goes right I really remember mm. Sad Boy coming together on this which was off the yeah. second record yeah um, and I remember everyone being like, "Wow, this is this is actually uh, like a step forward for us." Luckily, everyone who reviewed the album all said that that album song stood out as the not step forward. So. <laughs> <laughs> stood <laughs> out as a not step forward. Yeah, stood out as really the good not review step forward. I, I kind of like that as a lyric. It's best foot forward backwards. <laughs> you do the hokey cokey and you shake it all about, and that's what Wolf Alice are all about. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, Liz. Dance. Um, you guys are looking pretty sun-kissed. You've spent a little time out in the US. Very big country. You really <laughs> do learn that when you start touring. Yeah. I, rem- I remember hearing a story about Blur and they, when they were out in one of their first uh, US tours and their bus broke down and they, it was in the middle of the desert and they were just pissed off and they went out and started kicking rattlesnakes at each other. Wow, that's... Cooler than any other store we have. It's like kicking offer. rattlesnakes at each other. Maybe it was snakes. I think maybe I've added rattlesnakes just for a Who bit. Who was this? Blur. Blur. Hmm. Do you know what? I reckon right. Alex James weren't kicking no rattlesnakes at anyone. Nah. It's hard to find <laughs> multiple rattlesnakes as soon as you get off a bus. This is the man who spent a million pounds on cocaine and champagne at his own admission and now is the cheese man he can do anything do you know what anyone who admits it and says it themselves maybe didn't do it it has to be said well, about nah, people. I would mm. tell everyone if I did that do you think so <laughs> what about a hundred pound on gas and some iron brew <laughs> but is it not like, <laughs> is it not like the, the guy at school not everyone's got a mill yeah. Alex is it not like the guy at school who would come in like when you were like 16 or 17 going, oh yeah, you know, just just like snogged 14 birds last night. Yeah, and you're Jay, like, the no, in-betweeners guy. Yeah, but every school had that sort of person that I came in and just like told, chatted shit all the time. Yeah. Like, conspiracy theorists are always quite fun. I'm getting more and more uh, a, a believer of what once were conspiracy theories to me are now realities, except for like chemtrails and all that bollocks. Yeah, Why? I don't know, I just feel like it's coming true. I do feel like the government are watching you and all that stuff. Like conspiracy theories don't seem so far-fetched exactly. anymore, really. Yeah, exactly. I suppose well, in the Donald Trump, Black Mirror yeah. kind of world, it is a little bit more. But at the same time, like I've got your phone plugged into my laptop right now. Does it say access my photos? Yeah. Please, <laughs> I beg you don't, Phil. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not accessing <laughs> your photos. Mad inappropriate. <laughs> I, can take, I can take your data right now and I can, I can sell it on. Um, yeah, yeah. For whatever, go for it, man. My mum was shouting at me earlier because so, she read an article about people hacking peop- uh, baby cameras in their rooms, and she said, "Never get." She was like, "If you ever never have, have a baby, baby. Have a baby camera." <laughs> it's mental. Mm. Um, so I, I want to go back to like the very, very beginning of like just like your first musical loves and what, what got you into like this scenario that that we're in right now in a basement in Soho <laughs> talking about music. Um, like I, I know, like growing up 
about like four or five years old. That's when I kind of started like really, really, four really five. No, enjoying, just enjoying oh, music. Right, yeah, like, yeah. you know, like I wasn't going, I was sitting at four or five going, oh yeah, I'm going to be a rock star. I was too busy like falling over, yeah. shitting myself. <laughs> well, still did. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, both, <laughs> but only on the weekends now. Um, so what, what, what sort of music was it like the first kind of like road to Damascus moment for, for you guys? I, um, all of mine are kind of a bit embarrassing. My dad used to play Bob Marley really loud. And I remember being, uh, dancing to that a lot as a little kid. Yeah. Um, actually it's not embarrassing at all. It's not, it's not embarrassing. Bob Marley. It's just a bit embarrassing thinking of your dad listening to Bob Marley. Do you know what I mean? Bit naff. Was but, he smoking um, joints while he was doing it? Uh, Jack does a lot of, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of choice, but, choice but, things. But, but um, I remember dancing. I remember I remember the first time I started dancing. Like, you know, when you're like a little bit kid and you want to like move around. It's mm-hmm. quite a natural intuition to hear. To, and I have a memory of that. I don't really have many. I can't. Like, when people say they can remember what they were up to when they were six, I think they're lying bastards. But See, I can remember, I remember, he- I can remember hearing my first ever track because it was in a tractor in the countryside the in Ireland. The first tune you heard was in a tractor? It was in a tractor, yeah. It was Queen, under, uh, <laughs> wow. under Pressure. No, Radio Gaga. It was Radio Gaga because the... Are you, like, are you doing that lion that we were talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, I lived I lived on like a farm until I was about 14. And oh, um, the, the, the guy Shane who used to like drive the tractor was like mad into like Bon Jovi and uh, Guns N' Roses and Queen. So that's where I knew that, that's where I knew that music came from. So that's where I thought... Right. So you go to the tractor for the music. Go to the tractor. Yeah, you associate. I still really remember this like hi-fi system my dad had in the house, and it was like this huge black tiered thing that now is completely obsolete in modern technology. But I remember loving picking out CDs. What about you, Ellie? Yeah, I think the first time I really remember enjoying music a lot was listening to. I used to like playing. Um, a game where I'd pretend to be in the music videos of yeah. the pop songs yeah. that I liked, so, you know, kind of yeah, things like I don't know, Steps and Avril Lavigne, and was it the five, six, seven, eight video? Oh yeah, no, but doing my <laughs> own ones as well. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, and kind of proposing that game to friends who'd come round <laughs> and stuff. Would they just sit and watch you? <laughs> no, I don't think I was. It wasn't all about. It wasn't because I wanted loads of attention. It was more that I liked pretending to be in that kind of. It wasn't. I was trying to pretend to be a pop star. I was trying to pretend to live out this song. Yeah. Kind of so yeah, I remember doing that and I and enjoyed that and and then I guess so, so yeah. Sometimes I wonder what, how, and why I became a performer. But I guess I have been doing it for quite a while. If I enjoyed doing stuff like that when I was a kid, I think if you look back into like the roots of like when you were younger, there's like little bits and pieces of it that kind of you didn't even know were there mm. until you sort of Definitely, like yeah. look back a little bit further. I thought like I had no idea I wanted to do like radio or any of that sort of stuff until like I went back through my old. Do you remember your record of achievements and like your grades oh, yeah. and stuff that you would get at school? Mm. And I had like written it in third year. Oh, really? like, oh what you explicitly so you said it yeah I didn't even know oh, that so oh, and I was like shit right okay I want to be a radio DJ or a DJ or I want a presenter to w- I want to work or talk about music and that was oh. that was that was it and that's what that's much nicer than saying I want to be a radio presenter isn't it because it's like yeah, yeah. It's, it's, the it's, of it. it's the reason yeah. that the why, why that exists yeah, isn't it yeah. you want to do yeah, it yeah I think wanting to be a presenter is kind of like yeah it's a bit of, it, I'm, like a music presenter you want to do it because you like music but if you want to be like a, a presenter yeah not knocking presenters though no there's definitely not great presenters out there. <laughs> there's an art to that as well I reckon yeah, yeah it's, definitely you can love the art of that it's like the patter have you got it down now because you have to do like no, we're a not. lot of radio stuff. I'm sure in the US you have to do it as well. It's KYY Eagle here in the morning. The you US got stinky in the butt. We got Wolf Alice in front of us here today. That see, look, if you do that and then expect someone to talk after it, instantly weird, isn't it? Yeah. The ra- radio in America is quite daunting, actually. Sometimes those interviews I find because people are so enthusiastic and it's quite alien if you're. A bit and you of- sound so like miserable after coming after them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, there's no way you can match their energy, is there? No, because no, I don't know if it's real energy. <clears throat> it's some kind of mad construct Ener- <clears throat> I've never witnessed in real life. Some sort of like weird energy drink that they've been probably sponsored by. <laughs> loads of monster and loads of alternative radio hits. Did you guys get into like, were you like the kids that would walk around with sort of poetry books and um, <laughs> stuff in your pocket? I'm just saying that like as a as a mad observation, but like, 
I like I used to run about with like the beat poets when I was like really? seventeen or eighteen. Well, like, like copy it on the road. Kerouac and yeah. like uh, Bukowski and Larkin. And not he's a beat poet, but I, I kind of get the vibe that you might have done the same thing. You did definitely, Theo. <laughs> you probably still do, do you? Nah, I don't. I don't still carry poetry books. I weirdly, <laughs> I did. I was. I would. I don't know. I've perpetuated like a stereotype that I used to do it when I was a teenager. I'm not even sure whether you I did. really oh, did. Okay, can, can I tell him about it? Sorry. Go on. When I first met, <laughs> when I first met Theo, what, we must have been like 14, 15, oh, and I, we were at a party that sake. I wasn't invited to. Nah, which part was it? Lottie's. Lottie's. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't it a sister's party? No. Yeah. And uh, there was a trampoline in the back of the garden, <laughs> and uh, we were on the trampoline. <laughs> I think we struck up a conversation. You'd ask me what my favourite poet was. Your favourite poet? And I was like, oh my. I, had, I don't think I knew one poet. That's really pretentious. Isn't it? Like <laughs> you can get away with that when you're 14. Like, that's totally I was, fine. I no, I thought it was really cool, but I, I just. I, I was ashamed that I did not know a poet. What was your answer? Did you just run away? No, I think Benjamin I said like, Zephaniah. yeah, like the only you know like the ones that yeah Benjamin yeah. Zephaniah or something. I don't know something that you know at school. Caroline Duffy. Caroline Duffy. Yeah. I used, I remember um, discovering like John Cooper Clark and stuff like that really vividly and like trying to dress like him and all that stuff. See, if you were like you're from you, th- you guys are from London, and if you had been this is I'm guessing about ten, twelve years ago, right? Yeah. If you were dressing like John Cooper Clark. 12 years ago in London people would have thought oh there's the horrors there's the Towers of, what, L- tires of London yeah. that's exactly what I was not Towers of London but I was listening to the horrors and like <laughs> yeah. experiment on a bird in an air pump and uh, what was the other band Neil's Children uh, there was this whole this 80s uh, match line 80s matchbox B London I got that completely wrong <laughs> they're, they're great uh, and uh, there was this whole thing do you remember this do you ever go to a thing called Offset Festival I'm, I'm from a I'm a country boy Anyway, there's this thing called Offset and all those bands. I went to the horse show once a year and that was about it. You could have gone to the horse show in a pair of winkle pickers <laughs> yeah, and a did, yeah. dyed black hair. Did you guys yeah. like used to wait outside for your favourite artists and try and get stuff signed and mm. get in the pit and stuff? I personally never waited outside, but I, I, was, I was fanatic to an extent. Like I really loved it, but I never did the waiting outside thing. I did, you know, I queued up early and stuff. Pete Doherty threw a shoe at me when I waited outside <laughs> his tour bus in in That's Belfast. So mean. That's bang out of order. I mean, in the in the pantheon of things that Are Pete Doherty's done, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I've still got that shoe to this day. He's got huge feet. What size fifteen? They're massive. He's got big feet. Yeah, he's a tall guy actually. He is really he's tall. He's yeah. bit, he's I remember we saw him in real life. In Switzerland, and I was like, "Wow, he's tall." In real life, it is. It's like IRL. it's like seeing a caricature. Do you know when, like, yeah, you, when someone's that famous, it's it's quite hard to like. I don't know. And he was playing the guitar <laughs> backstage. I was like, "Fuck it." Was he singing about Albion? <laughs> no, but he was definitely singing. Oh, that was cool. I loved Pete. Doc- I loved the Liberty. Me too. Yeah, yeah I loved the Liberty. Um, I just love that whole idea. I, I love the, the the how like I'm I'm very Irish, but I loved how sort of anarchistic and. British that they they were like they were it was almost like they'd taken the kinks but yeah. mixed a little healthy dose of like punk rock into it as well they were very naughty boys from what I can gauge or what I would like to believe oh god yeah like they're, they're the stories about the libertines are, are legendary they're I, levels of debauchery I had the, I heard they had uh, 300 grand in a fridge <laughs> that's where I'd keep 300 grand if I had it though where else would you, you know yeah I mean? exactly um, so uh, yeah, I want to talk about the how the how the group got together, like how you started writing music and how it turned into the four piece, really. Um, well, we were all kind of doing our own thing. Uh, Joel was playing in a band called Mafia Lights with James Bauman from Swim Deep and another one of their friends, Cam, and uh, you were playing in Lazy Line with. Uh, yeah. Daniel Blackman, who's Jelani Blackman now, and Rena. Rena Sawayama. Everybody's doing pretty well in those bands, and I know all it's of really them. weird that selection yeah. of people, especially seeing Rena and Jelani have think of their careers are kind of really taking off now. Mm, so like very recently, yeah. yeah, we used to be in a but we went all went to college together. But anyway, yeah, we yeah. were all doing that. And I was playing music with a, a 
little unknown musician called Joff. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened, guy. <laughs> no one knows. Um, <laughs> yeah, and one of our friends, Cal, kind of brought us together when Joff and I were playing with two other friends who, you know, for separate reasons dropped out. And we, But we had like a, I think we had one festival booked I think it was even like Barn on the Farm or something. Yeah. And uh, Cal McRae first. Did you come to that? No, but he I, often came to our shows before he joined. There was like four, three or four <laughs> shows like that I was at. Dream moment where you're in this in no, the crowd and you're like, we want him. The light just comes upon you. You get <laughs> up on stage and tear it up. Like that. It was kind of. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I think it was like that. It's like okay, I'll crazed fan. Theo was, <laughs> we, yeah, but we all we basically all had okay, had we had a want to be to be playing music, and we me oh well Joel filled in and played said he could play drums. He'd never played drums before, but he's so talented that he can instantly for some reason. <laughs> he played barn on the farm, and then when Sadie left, he was playing bass at the time and singing and doing percussion and stuff. I ended up filling in, and we'd like been hanging out before that while Wolf Alice had still had been in like a in a. a incarnation i suppose yeah. and then when we started playing actual like i remember when we fluffy was like coming to, to like together the song in um, a storm rehearsal space storms was it called storm storm a rehearsal studio in holloway i remember i really remember being like oh well we're gonna be millionaires <laughs> and we're not so you're on your way yeah uh. don't know about that <laughs> two two number two records how many records do you reckon you need to sell to get a number two Three? Um, I don't know. I don't know how many. I'll tell you. Not a, not a lot. Not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that Shania Twain chart battle, not as heated as you would think back in the day. <laughs> Shania Twain was the battle of the second album to get to number one. Yeah. The first one was who? First one was Florence and the Machine. See, that's all, that's not. Like, I'm sure you can't beget Florence and the Machine getting to number one but Shania Twain I can it's a bit like well I suppose you can because she got number one because she suddenly headlined Glastonbury because Dave Bro- Grohl <gasps> broke his leg so my real beef time. is with Dave Grohl that was the same year that you played the park stage and yeah the and I was stage. watching that back home because I didn't go that year and I, I was like deep into like bottle of wine number two watching that like pumping the air we going at three this still. is great yeah the red button you can watch it whenever you want oh right okay. for free pm just second yeah. bottle of wine <laughs> no you you were getting yeah exactly i've got I had a problem all right i had a problem <laughs> that's why you didn't um, but yeah I, I remember that like moment for for you guys like it's it's such a fast forward from where, where you started to to that point but like that that to me was like it felt like you you'd come of age like you were like right this is a serious not that you weren't a serious band beforehand, but like I think you proved think a we lot were, of stuff to a lot of people that day. Yeah, we were quite we were a bit rubbish for a while, basically <laughs> playing live. But you took your you took we had your, a lot of passion. You took your time, like so. I, when when I when I started doing the radio, there was a lot of bands that were coming out, and they were releasing their debut albums before they probably should be releasing mm. their debut yeah. albums. They had a lot of pressure on them from labels, like Enemy or uh, traditional media would <laughs> kind of get on board with them. And then they would rush it out. But you guys took your time. I think that's a credit to Dirty Hit, to be fair, because we were really desperate to put out an album as soon as we signed with them. Yeah. Because for us, we felt like we'd been playing these songs and and touring quite extensively for, you know, looking back, not that long. Not that long. (laughs) Yeah, but it felt long. (laughs) We've been doing this our whole lives. Yeah. I thought we'd probably been like two years or something or a year and a half, maybe. But, but it was the same songs pretty much, so it was kind of like, well, we're ready. I think it was, anyway. Yeah. But anyway, we wanted to put it out, and they were like, no, just trust us. Yeah, exactly. No, You've got to wait. Like, I, I, from releasing stuff on my label, I've got a band probably about at the same stage as you were then, mm. and they want to put out stuff, and it's just like, mm. need a fan base first. Mm. Yeah. Do, you, do you know what I mean? It's really hard you to tell. You have to go out and tour. It's hard to convey that to a band when you're at that age as well, when I think if you have kind of your eyes are on this prize and you can't really you got the blinkers on of like you want to get this music out and you need but yeah Jamie specifically to his credit from our label really helped us in that sense it's really it's really difficult getting trying to figure it all out at the start like especially when you don't have yeah management or even knowledge of like putting stuff out um 
I think for any band starting out, a setback is probably money, isn't it? And working money. hours and stuff like that is so difficult. Luckily, people had... I mean, your work seems when we were touring, was really flexible with the hours you could do and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I, I owe quite a lot to my boss at the time. He just kind of let me leave whenever I needed to. That's pretty sound. Where, yeah. Where did you work? Well, I worked wherever he worked. So I started in Lacoste and then I moved to uh, Needy Jeans and worked just retail, just really. Just there, down the road. Yeah, around here, actually. And he, yeah, he loved rock, rock music and he played music himself and he just wanted me to succeed really it's it's really good to have like an understanding boss like that because yeah. you need to you need to be able to f- feed yourself like yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a big constraint and if you don't have like luckily our families lived in london so it's easier well joel's in he's in surrey but it was we could you know had somewhere to stay yeah. but that's really difficult and to balance rehearsals recording gigging and working at the same time you can't really find any time to mm. think at that point it's like I really hate that old adage that people have though they think like musicians are lazy. Yeah. And you're like, well, some definitely are. Some, I some, know a few. Yeah, I know ones. I know a lot of musicians that are lazy and give people a bad. But I mean like musicians that take it seriously and want to make a career out yeah. of it have to be able to graft almost use both sides of their brain, be able to graft to make money and then be able to like use all their spare time. It's like you don't actually have a social life or that definitely takes an impact. Yeah, I think so. I think is you can be, yeah, there's a lot of hard work in the beginning, especially if you're doing like you know, making a Facebook event for st- like stuff like that. It seems I to hate take- doing stuff like that. <laughs> <clears throat> I still have to like I started putting gigs on when I was 15, and I sometimes like with like the label and some, the club nights and stuff that I do, I, I just, I'm sitting there like literally double my life, like <laughs> going, why the Facebook fuck group? am I setting up a Facebook event group? I'm 30 years old. You need yeah. an intern, huh? You need an intern, a paid intern. Yeah, paid intern. That, that's why, like, I've I've had people. Come. I'll do it. <laughs> do, do you want to do it? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? What, what What's your What's your rate? A thousand pounds. A thousand pounds for <laughs> for ten years, or a thousand pounds for one off like, payment. One off payment. <laughs> no cash down. Yeah, cash up. <laughs> I think that works. Um, did you guys? Did you put on your own shows and stuff at the start, or like? No. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Actually, we... Just like go and play wherever. <laughs> I don't know, did we? I don't think so. Played, I mean, we played plenty of shows before we ever had like a booking agent or a promoter or anything like yeah. that. But no, we didn't organize our own shows. I don't think anyone would have been there, so that wouldn't... I like I, I really like when at the very early parts of being in a band you'll just say yes to any gig and you'll be like delighted that somebody's asked you to come and play I think, oh, I think that's, that's the key like if yeah. you can you should definitely if you're, if you're a band that are, I feel like similar to the way we were set up if you're like a, a four piece band like that that you can play in that environment you should because you're only going to get yeah. better from doing that and better at every aspect of your performance and your character will be built from that big time I've played with country bands I've played with 
like really, really heavy metal, like old heavy metal dudes, and we'd be like sending like Elvis Costello up yeah. before them. Yeah, it's yeah. good character building. Pits, yeah, exactly. Yeah, big time. Really, it really does. And they, even the bad gigs, like as much as you hate them and want to jack everything in and yeah. just think this is shit, I'm going to go Definitely. and work in retail or like back, I'm going to go back and do the retail job full time. Yeah. You learn so much from the bad stuff. And also they become like funny memories, don't they? Yeah. I mean, at the time they might be like, no, why is this happening? <laughs> but you re- you'll really appreciate those when you're older what, and look back. What are the ones that stand out for you? I always remember um, when we were just starting off before Theo and Joel had joined and uh, Sadie's brother went to university in Sheffield and he like got us a gig <laughs> playing something. And we were like, okay, that's quite far to go. But I don't think we'd ever, yeah. I don't think I've ever really been Sheffield? outside of London in, into another city anyway. And um, and Joff was like, <laughs> I can't come because Joff was at university. Mm-hmm. So Sadie and I, we'll just do it on our own. And we went down there, we got the mega bus down there. And it was like in a park. And the person we were supporting turned out to be a Diablo player. What's, like, it? what's, we a, were what's the, a Diablo? That circus trick. It's a like you know, you got the two sticks and the little well, like spinny piece thing. of string. Oh, it's like it's like poi. It's what like the hippies in the yeah. park do. Yeah, like so super it was us and then him on the stage. <laughs> was he doing it during your set? No, he was like the main event was him playing with doing this thing. You can't play in Diablo, <laughs> and we were just like the warm up for this Diablo. So Diablo set. Like, oh, okay. You should get him. I, I travelled very very far on the bus for this That's but then it was like one of the, you know i you know i had a bloody great night and i always think about that sometimes so i'm glad i did it you know have you ever thought about contacting the diablo guy maybe getting him in, involved with no. like some of the no diablos yeah no, no yeah no or the stick in between what, two other sticks i hate what, that what's what's your your worst gig cuz you came along a little bit after that didn't you uh, I had some funny gigs with my first band where we played. I remember we played at Goldsmith's Student Bar, but we no one had asked us to. It turned out. <laughs> Did and you just show up with your gear? Go, we're a on. Quiz night was on, and we just played. We just showed up and played anyway, um, and it was really bad. People booed. <laughs> what kind of person boos? I mean, unless you're like you know. I think they were just trying to get couldn't hear the quiz because we were just started playing. I I find it really weird when people don't clap after songs. Yeah, that's weird. I don't like I don't like not clapping after a song. Mm. I I I find London hate booing more than that. Yeah, I agree with you. (laughs) Yeah, I take no clapping over. I think anyone anyone is a strange person if they go out of their way to criticize. Like imagine watching something on the telly. Yeah, I, I watch stuff on the telly all the time. And you don't like it, and then you go, oh, wait a second, I need to get my phone out. And yeah. At, t- directly tell this person uh-huh. that I think this is shit. But you forget that those, like, sometimes I do it when, if I, because I'm so aware now that you cannot do that to anyone, regardless of how big or famous they are. But sometimes you forget when it's like oh, you know, movies or something like that, and you're like, yeah, this movie yeah. is rubbish. And I'm like, wait, even they, you yeah. know, it's, it's quite hard to not do It's not times that you're allowed to do that. I, I, as in like, I, I've said this but I Eurovision. do it all the time I was almost live tweeting during I was Eurovision. live tweeting actually I saw your tweets was, how Eurovision. good was Eurovision Eurovision was great this is when we recorded this in May who did you want to win I wanted Sweden to win what was Sweden it was like a disco track did you watch it I didn't watch it no I should, I just I, saw, I should, say, were, I should say Ireland <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I should have said Ireland I boring, didn't want though. England to win um, do you want England to win the World Cup Yes. Yeah, because it that would be a fun. Imagine going down the pub night. when that happens. Yeah. Mad. I'm Irish. So Might end up getting engaged again. <laughs> 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 They're making a reference to the fact that in 2017, in January, in the second, second or third week, you of mate, January, don't look at me. You need to no, remember I, this. I went, it's not me. I went off booze after the New Year, and um, uh, me and my missus decided to go out for a lovely meal, and then we went to the Weatherspoons, which is the Rochester, <laughs> right beside our house. Yeah. Which is like the oldest in the world, yeah, isn't it? Like the best, anyway. It's the best one, anyway. And then I, I, I got really drunk and got engaged <laughs> to my missus, and you guys were there. Yeah. And I remember that one of uh, Joel, Joel, your drummer, was like saying that he was the king of the Rochester. And, oh and, wow! And I, 
He was saying he was the king of the Rochester, and I thought now that I got engaged there or around oh, there anyway, I'm so happy. Me and Fancher are the king, king the and Rochester. queen of the Rochester. <gasps> yeah, you actually are now. We are, yeah, exactly. We could be Weatherspoon's first uh, married couple. Do you think people have got married in Weatherspoon? Uh, they have, hundred percent. Yeah, definitely have, hundred percent. Two chili con carne, six pound. Happily, will you marry me? <laughs> I'd happily get married in a Weatherspoon. <laughs> Phil Tiger. There you go, a glimpse into post-Brexit love, two-for-one weddings and weather spoons. I mean, it just screams love. Sign me up to that. Thank you so much for listening um, so far. The Slacker Podcast series is just getting going. This is Series 1. There are 16 interviews in Series 1, and in the coming weeks we will have Novelist, we will have Guy Lightbody, we will have The Cribs, we will have Leon Bridges, we will have Churches, we will have Muramasa, and I'm also securing some really, really big names now. And we'll be probably going up until the start of um, the new year. I'm already planning season two, and I don't even know how season one's going yet. Is that a good idea? I don't know. Also, on a sort of side tip to this as well, I'm uh, on Sunday evening in London in the 100 Club. I'm co-curating a lineup with the lovely people at Fred Perry Subculture. And it's kind of in the spirit of those all-day punk gigs that they used to put on in the 70s, but we're doing it with like the most new, exciting and underground artists. So if you fancy popping down, uh, there's probably a couple of tickets about. I don't know by this stage, it could be sold out. But we've got Black Midi, Denzel himself, Puma Blue, Kojak, Alaska, Alaska, Dylan Cartledge, Sons of Raphael, Black Country New Road, Audiobooks, Jockstrap, and Jerskin Friendricks. And there's a couple more to be announced as well. So... Right, back to the podcast. We still have to talk about Dirty Monkey's new record, the definition of a rock star, and of course, first getting signed and politics. Here we go. You've always been pretty, like, on it. Like, you, you, you've always used your uh, position to be able to say something and do something. I think that's, like, really admirable because, like, your life would probably be easier if you said nothing at all. Do you, oh, do, do, do you know, know what I mean? Like, you, you, would, you wouldn't be open to criticism. You wouldn't be... Oh, yeah. But yeah, although I think things are changing now, aren't they? And people are more quick to criticise mm. people who don't say anything in this current You can't win. <laughs> they you, you actually fair, can't they weren't win. Two years, they weren't two years ago. People weren't. You were more open to criticise them if you put it That was when the whole account. Brexit thing was kicking off. And, yeah, I, um, I think there's been a positive galvanisation of people thinking and talking about things and using their platform. So now to the point that it has got to that where you're criticised for not talking about something and you can't it's quite difficult to have a very effective and informed opinion of everything in the world because no one has that. Yeah. Um, you could, like, if, if you, you have to be really careful about what you say and, and, and how you say it because, yeah. like, you know, you, you did, you've did a lot with, um, for, for refugees, you put on that, um, you put on a, a, a series of gigs, yeah, really. three in, nights. At, yeah. In London, a cameo, um, a couple of years ago. And, um, is it is it something that you like? You feel like you have to go out and do. No, I think as, you as should, a band, or is it something you should do. I think you should want to do it, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think there's no harm in like. Yeah, I think you should want to do it. it I don't know how. Yeah, it's it's hard because it's scary to put. It's you forget how many people are watching you, don't you? Sometimes mm. you say something, and and the next thing you know, like. It's on news outlets, news and you beat. you just think as yourself as you were your whole life, you know, mm, it's just yeah. little old you. Or whatever, so <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, with the things that I think that we've used our band, um, you know, social medias and stuff to to talk about and to organise and to galvanise are things that are pretty black and white to us, and that we've been, you know. Discussed between the four of us yeah, and stuff and like that. Yeah, it feels like the first time in my life that there's been a real engagement with young people in politics. Like I can't remember that ever. Yeah, I think so too. Happening yeah. in the the years that I've been going, I'm sure. Like you know, in the eighties and then the seventies, there was lots of stuff going on. But thing is, it takes things to get pretty bad for people to really engage yeah, with things. Yeah. Unfortunately, and when there is a, you know, things are not always amazing, but when things are a bit better, then get complacent. Um, so you like you signed a chess club before um, Dirty Dirty Hit Records Chess Club did all of the the early stuff. What was it like yeah. getting like a, a record label involved with your your music? That must have been cool. Yeah, really cool. I think yeah, it was. Um, what's the word? Kind of 
what's the word like, like recognition us, yeah a pat on the back someone saying that you're not just it's not just your mum and your dad yeah just yeah being like oh yeah it's right you get to use that as well like when you get played on the radio or you get like signed to a record deal or a publishing deal it gives you that ammunition to go home and go look what i'm doing is actually worthwhile and i'm good at it yeah validation it's um it's weird yeah it's weird that it was really great for us to have someone else to that's not you know you know in a circle saying that you can do this it's really important like to tell people that are really good at something as well at the very beginning because yeah, everybody's living in their own head and they think they're shit all the time it definitely is i yeah. think encouragement is is really necessary at that stage and then maybe in a weird way less encouragement is better well not in a weird way when you get bigger how, so yeah how does it how does it work now because like you've, you've you done you you've done two albums um do you need encouragement to do a third one or do you need people to go do you need to be an underdog or do you need to be seen to be achieving i don't know it's a good question i don't know what we need. I always feel like I work better as an underdog when I've got like an axe to grind something to or prove. something to prove. Yeah, I think that spurs us on quite a lot when we're playing shows, having something to prove. I think we all relish that. We just did a support tour for the first time in a while, and having people come who don't know you yeah. is exciting to prove to them that you're good or, or yeah, worth their attention. Do you have to play harder at like support shows, especially with like Queens of the Stone Age and stuff as well? Yeah, yeah I think you do, but it's quite fun, isn't it? It's quite fun to be. Scared. Yeah, yeah. Is it like, was it, what about when you played with the 1975? If you when you supported <laughs> when you supported the 1975 and you supported Queens of Stone Age, how like were, were they the same shows that you were going to see? No. Uh, I think the 1975 have fans who, and then, and I mean this in a good way. They kind of like some like things that the 1975 are supporting already so mm. it's the less of a tough crowd in a way I they're think. on your side to an no, extent no but then to be fair it was quite hard because I didn't think at first that I don't know that they liked us so much I don't know it's all it's all different it's, and it's dependent on each show as well you know from one to the other it's not the same I think that with any, anything sort of creative or artistic there's a certain element of nervosa that, that goes along with it and critiquing each of your shows do you yeah. still do you still do that? Yeah, like, we still do that. Do you like? Do you when when we would have a bad show when I was playing in my band, we could barely even look at each other after the show. <laughs> There's definitely a strange energy when you have a bad show and everyone's a bit Should, uh, off key about it. Must be few and far between now. You're like you, you are on the road so much. Uh, yeah, it's play. less than it was before, but we still were fine. Ch- I mean, like for example, with our UK show the big headline show we just did at Ali Pali and stuff, we were still fine-tuning the set lit and set lit? It's a set list. That's very millennial. The set list and <laughs> set aspects list. of the production and stuff right up until later shows. We were still... What was it, What am I talking about? We're talking about how, ra- <laughs> how rad your band is, man. <laughs> I completely lost track of what I'm talking about. But yeah, music's well, a laugh. Well, it is. It is. It's all, it's, it's all right. What are, what, are your, what are your hobbies outside of music? What, what do you get up to? I Because like, I... I sometimes do get fed up, not like of music in general, but when you listen to music all day, yeah. you have to have something else yeah. to to kind of like You're sorbet your mind. Sorbet your mind. That's the name of my middle class rock band. Mind sorbet. Mind sorbet. <laughs> You're a good reader, Ellen Rousel. <laughs> yeah, I like reading and yeah. writing. Like creative writing? Like, mm. Would you ever... Is it something that you want to put out there or is it something that you just are happy to do yourself? Um, it's something that I would like to get better at and grow in confidence with, yeah. I mean, I just kind of write, uh, you know. Well, I guess, like, it's the same as writing. Sometimes, you like, my lyrics start off as something else, really. But, yeah, I like reading and writing, but... You, what about you? <laughs> you, you, but you get that out of like some like some of the songs you write like sky musings yeah like i feel like that could almost be a story yeah you're, Crows, you're, you're, you're living in somebody's head who's in who's flying along and is yeah. completely gripped with anxiety yeah sometimes i feel conflicted about uh melody uh often prohibiting writing if you yeah know what i mean Oh, well, like getting out exactly what you want to convey. Yeah, in, and then having in to slot it into lyrical form. Yeah, yeah. Probably That's interesting. Actually, explains I never a lot of the spoken word stuff that you yeah. you do in your your songs. Like it's got that sort of 
teenage riot sonic youth kind of yeah. sort of whisper to it which I, I really like yeah other things that, that you are very good at is photography if we're on the subject of things you're good at I'm actually not because I just got some, <laughs> some film back and take the rules. damn compliment <laughs> that photo no, of I me really and Johnny w- letting off fireworks yeah, is really an unbelievable photo I mean photo. like that was like one out of 50 you know well you've got I need to learn you take enough photos to have an exhibition by that time <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah that's something I'd like to of- get better at um, it's fun on tour because you go to so many places, and and I always have Theo as my muse. <laughs> you made me into an emoji. How do you, how the do you, what's, thing on what's, the what's your emoji? Um, there's a picture of me sitting a bunch in front of a bunch of fireworks, wearing sunglasses, and I just look like the um, smiling sunglasses <laughs> emoji. It's a classic. Nothing too elaborate. Not the skiing men or the two musketeers who are my new favourites at the moment. Oh really? I've seen them? I, seen I like them. the I like the emoji where you. It's got the cracked head, and there's like loads of oh, like loads of volcanic volcanic vibe. stuff coming this out. This is of the it. classic, though, isn't it? Oh, yeah, the, that's the that's the yeah, that, oh, sorry, sorry. This is the radio. <laughs> explaining that, I don't even know how you explain it. It's like a right angle. It's a tick with your fingers pressed to your chin. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's that's really good. Great broadcasting, Theo. Thank you. I really like that. Was this when you said like letting off fireworks would pique my interest? Uh-huh. No, that's what you like to do in your space. Oh, mate, do you know what? Yeah. <laughs> I fucking love fireworks. Yeah. They're amazing. What's your they bring joy to everyone who watches them and is involved. You did bring a lot of joy to us on that tour. With did you fireworks. buy the fireworks for the... Yeah, I bought some fireworks. I bought a Zorro, Zorro which is a handheld sword, hence the Zorro aspect. There's a fountain, a few <laughs> bottle rockets, a few crackers, which I like lobbing at people yeah. when they're in the back of the trailer. Uh... <laughs> I just I was ever, one of the best fireworks shops I've ever been to in my life Roman candles are my favourite love that we used to buy them around uh, Halloween time when we were like just uh, maybe not even teenagers like 11 or 12 and we used to stick the Roman candle the, the, the bit you're meant to put into the ground like in the crack of our bums and then like light it and let them off that is a bit of me Phil yeah. <laughs> are you are you into letting- I've not done that yet but you will be. We'll be doing that now. Okay. I, I just love them, man. I did it with my mum the other day and my what, sister. Letting fireworks on? I didn't put any. I didn't do fireworks out of the bum with my mum, but oh. I did. Uh, <laughs> I did do fireworks in the garden, and everyone was so happy. Oh, this is this could be this could be like a you could be like one of these people that goes on tour and does the pyro, the, the little circuits around all the small festivals around the north. What with yeah, what? I'd with you. fireworks? Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you could close like yeah, all sure. of the like the summer carnival. And I don't think I would pass any of the regulated safety aspects of it. But I'd, that's I'd it. A bit freestyle. Just get on with it. <laughs> Hold it. What it. you should do as well, if you're doing that, you should have an eye patch so it doesn't look yeah, like yeah. you're like Loads very good at your job. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, fireworks. That's my interest. That five-a-side football. Uh, um, I wanted to talk about the. I you know I I never I've t- talked to you about this and I've 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 wanted to for ages is like um, standing toe to toe with Noel Gallagher when um, he was giving off about stuff not like metaphorically toe to toe oh right sorry I was um, about to say we've never stood that close <laughs> to Noel Gallagher um, when he was um, spouting his usual about I've, Harry Styles I've got an album coming out so I'm going to say some incendiary stuff is that a thing when he was talking about Harry Styles yeah in One Direction that's my what, fault what like, was he saying he said something about Oh, I can't remember now, but something absolutely horrible about he said One he wished, Direction. He, I've wished, written, I've written it he down. wished they all had drug addicts. He wished someone addiction. in music oh would have a drug habit. <gasps> yeah, I got really pissed That's off horrible. by that. I've, I've, and I did this interview of Gigwise, and I remember feeling really bad because they made the headline me calling him a, like a mod C word or something really yeah. rude, which is actually out of order. But to swish, to like, it's yeah, it's funny if you need a bit of a soundbite and you need to sell your record after fucking 30,000 years. But to wish people to have drug addictions and you've got people listening to you hanging on your every word. I think addiction and wishing something like that on people is really negative and it's not going to breed a good culture of musicians. I don't um, really feel like he's one of these people, like, obviously, particularly, particularly thinks about yeah, yeah. The, the, the actions of it. But then, like, that's his whole idea of rock and roll is like it's a pastiche it's, it's, an it's old just idea. saying saying stuff and We're selling records and off selling it. records off the back of it and getting in fights and you know just providing things <laughs> for the media to be I able un- to go I, and yeah, sell I understand the culture of it of people living vicariously through rock starness and all that those things but the, in terms of the actual actions especially in the current climate I think it is 
It's there, there a lot are, more difficult to do that. There now. are no rock stars in guitar music anymore. It depends Everybody. on what you want a rock star to be nowadays, because we can set the parameters of it. And if they have to be shagging loads of people and uh, saying tons of money, stupid stuff, and doing mountains of drugs, then I, then I don't know if anyone <laughs> wants to be a rock star really. The, but at the same time, it's pretty good. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> doing drugs are pretty good. Um, These are not the views of this podcast. I'm conflicted by this this conversation as well. Why? Uh, I do think because oh, it is entertaining. Be fun, is entertainment, it? Yeah. yeah. But you don't um, want it to be too safe. But you don't want people yeah. to like become. You don't want people to say really stupid stuff off the back of it. I either. just don't like the thing that people keep saying that there's no rock stars anymore and all these things. But it's always people. But it's a culture like, that's not being bred. No one's no one's been 23 and handed seven million pounds or whatever. Do you know what I mean? To go off and do mm. live this fantasy life. But the only people that are looking for those rock stars are the people that were fans of their music first time around. It's like I don't think. Yeah, yeah. I are kids like are, are 15, 14 year old kids looking for rock stars now? I don't know. I Probably, but it's just a different thing. thing yeah, yeah. You don't get young people being like, "Why is no one like you know, you know, saying why I wish." You don't get younger people saying, "I wish Harry Styles had a drug addiction." I don't. I, don't, I wish he kept being as, wearing those amazing outfits he's wearing and his nice hats. You've seen his, what he's been wearing lately. He looks amazing. He's been working with this designer, Harris Reed, or wearing his clothes. And yeah. I've never seen someone look cooler on stage in my life. <sighs> I wish I I'll show you some designer. photos from his yeah. Amsterdam gig. I, I definitely think we have rock stars still, yeah. for sure. They just don't, they're just not what Joel, we might... Joel, he's king of the rock. <laughs> yeah, he's king of the rock. rock. King rock of the Rochester. He's a, he's a rock star. That doesn't work. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I think if you're looking at about it in traditional terms, I think that sort of hedonism and narcissism exists still in, in music and people are inherently hedonistic and narcissistic to an extent yeah, yeah. if you've got how much you want to celebrate if it, you've got a like, ton of money yeah. you're going to spend it yeah. and if you're a little bit dim you're going to spend it badly as well do you know like these are facets of everyone's character this is just how much you explore them and yeah. it's fun to, to to get yourself off by someone else doing it I wanted to talk to you about the um about like the stuff that you, you know about the music industry now and like the sort of information and parts of wisdom that you wish you had of knowing when you were starting out that you could pass on to the, the, the many versions of you that are kicking about now looking to get into it I think trusting your gut and doing right by your band and what you have the idea of yourselves being is the best idea because no one really knows what's going on in the music industry and no one knows what's being honest and like true to yourselves mm. is genuinely generally rather always a better idea and if you're a band that has to play live play loads and loads of gigs all the time if you can if it's within your capability because it's going to make you so much better and rehearse a lot is my that's <laughs> yeah. that's my guide to being that's, in a band that's that's pretty fair yeah yeah i feel like the only things i ever regret are the thing mm. are the things i did when i was you know, not being myself and trying to be someone else or something and I can look back on that and be like, oh, God, that's cringe. cringe. Yeah. And, you know, the things that I look back and I'm like, oh, God, that's cringe. But it was, I thought it yeah. was really cool at the time. It's, it's a different type of <laughs> is cringe. There a specific, really... Is there a specific memory that you're like, oh, God? Uh, no, but, you know, even Lots just down this. to the songs that you've wrote, the lyrics that you wrote, the the clothes that you wear, you know, if you thought it was good at the time, then, then that will be a nice memory. But if you were trying maybe to... Do trying to be something was, you're not is a yeah. very bad feeling people, when you look back at it because mm. it's not honest, isn't it? And Pe people like you because of what you are. Yeah, people people see through that as well. People aren't dumb. If you're like yeah. try, trying to do, I see lots of bands like uh, from the music that I get sent through for through the radio. You'll see a band that one year they were writing acoustic music, and then the next one they're writing synth music, and then the next one they're writing hip hop, and you, like you can still see the same member change, and they're just trying to be famous. Yeah, I, don't yeah, don't totally. don't try and be famous. I don't if think. the music <laughs> starts to become like secondary to anything else, then you've, you've got else. a problem. As in, like that's not good. But it's very easy in this industry for that to happen. I think. I think music is almost a secondary byproduct to a lot of things when it comes to like media everybody wants to talk about pretty much everything except which I understand as well like because you, you want to know about the people making the music as well as about the music itself which it's just yeah it's, it's context but like how do you get better as a, a musician and an, an artist when you're like out on tour and 
It's quite difficult, actually. I was thinking about that the other day. Because if you're playing the same, if you're playing the same songs yeah, all can, the time, it can be really restrictive as yeah. creatively. I think it's a muscle that needs to be worked sometimes. Writing songs and uh, just trying to do, make something every day, from writing something down to recording something, can be really helpful in not letting that go. Like just that bit die off. Mm, uh, I think I, it's really hard as well to make music without. I often think to myself, like, why can't I write any songs? And I'll stop trying and, and I'll let kind of life play out and then I'll be able to, so, you know, you can't write songs without, you know, if you're just constantly inside trying to write a song, you know, you have to go and live, go out and, and see your have friends to and, sing about. and go and see a film or read a book or you know, go for a walk or whatever. You have to do it. Songs, songs need to be, have you know, inspiration doesn't always just come from like learning your instrument better oh, or, yeah, that's or, definitely true. or um, you know li- even listening to other people's music doesn't that doesn't always come from that do you do you think you guys like will make a, a musical left turn like as in like your your second album was it was different than your first album does that mean your third album is going to be different than that and then you're like going to switch off because like, I, I don't know it's it's in my mind frame at the minute because of the Arctic Monkeys new album which came mm. out yeah, um, I really like that on, album on Friday and it's so it's so refreshing and they've done a whole 180 from their last album that's quite I think that although yeah our first album and second album are different they they've gone for a completely it's like that album is sonically like mm-hmm. a period piece almost Do you and know what lyrically I mean? it's like he's it's kind of thematic and yeah. conceptual isn't it I, I thought, thought that's I a concept thought, album practically when I listened to it well I thought it was really inter- I think it is he's saying that he like built a world around it's, around it, 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 it's still so him though isn't yeah, it no, like, totally but, but that's why, that's why, it's why good. I think it works yeah. is because they didn't stray too far from the path because it was a natural progression because I was watching something with him t- saying that it will it became from like he was watching a um, interview with Leonard Cohen who started talking about his ideas of songwriting and and it was so different from what his ideas were already and some it was like changing the pathways in his brain and then naturally letting this different kind of sound come out and I thought that was really cool yeah. it wasn't like you know what I'm bored of doing this I want to do this now it's yeah. like he naturally let himself be inspired in a different way and that's when those kind of records will work because they're quite challenging for the listener aren't they and if you can see it, also sonically those progressions happened in terms of like when you listen to the less, the last last of the Shadow Puppets record all the kind of yeah. the bass sounds and the guitar yeah. sounds and the, the organs and the vibraphones and all these things have started to permeate clearly what they're listening to and then it takes another evolution onto the Arctic Monkeys record I really they've, like that hinted at that for a while like even with Alex Turner's Submarine soundtrack yeah. in 2010 and The Last Shadow Puppets and AM as well yeah and AM it, it, like, it, it's not that surprising that they've they've done this when you sort of like piece it all, all yeah, together yeah I didn't find it as shocking as as everybody as, said yeah but I kind of feel like like with with all your records you, you show so many sides to yourselves it's not like one it's not like a one size fits all you're, you're going to get a grungy album or a punky yeah. album or like you get a bit of everything you, you get a bit of everything on <laughs> your records which I quite like because I've got a real short attention span for one type of music so I, yeah. when, when I'm listening to an album and it it, it switches up that's why I quite I quite like yeah. that I don't think we think have thought about it that much in terms of what we're going to do with the third record yet nah <laughs> I think you need to f- f- finish to this at all. <laughs> I want to make a concept album one day I reckon it'd be so yeah, cool I definitely would like to try it one day but I think that's what it's number, so hard it's to do for them, get right? right it's number six for them this is their sixth album sixth album we yeah. need to do more before we can get to that I reckon and get away with it oh your phone hasn't been charging it's on 9% <laughs> now, it's now on airplane mode Hold on. for no one no one that knows oh wait we already talked about my phone being charged yeah exactly video. that means I, I can't steal your data it's fine I'm merely getting on the tube and going home that's okay and I've got no headphones oh I, I don't have any apps well, you're just gonna have to sit and stay. You're gonna have to. Do you know what? Here's your homework for the the, the way home. Start a conversation with somebody in the London Underground. I'm not underground. gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that because people we're do that. We don't do that. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's, see, that's so normal to you, um, not speaking to anybody on the tube. But like from when I moved here in 2012, I was like, Ah, oh, hello there. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> you, look like, you look like my cousin Margaret. <laughs> Did you really? I, I spoke to people on the tube. Did she punch I, you in the face? They, they looked at me like I was going to rob know what? them. That's so nice to do that. I can't do it anymore. I, I've, I've been completely. You shouldn't. I don't homage. advise it, but it's still a nice sentiment, isn't it? Yeah. Like if somebody spoke, spoke to me, and it's also the same in pubs. If like 
in Ireland, I can. Oh, sit, I like talking I, to strangers. I, I can, so if I sit at the bar, it means I want to have a conversation with you. Yeah, or I'm looking <laughs> to get super weird. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think um, that's that's the perfect place to leave it right now. <laughs> like like leave it, to leave it, in a pub. leave it at the bar. <laughs> Phil Tiger. May the light of a hundred thousand moons shine down upon Wolf Alice and thank you to Theo and Ellie for giving me up their time. If you see them at the bar, feel free to strike up a conversation with them. They absolutely love that. Also, do me a favour, please. Please subscribe to the Slacker Podcast, give it a little five stars if you liked it and um, rate it, review it and all the rest. Thank you very much, you gorgeous people, for listening. Phil Slacker Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.